Thank you for joining me in another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is an evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I do really want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and open to the possibilities of what might be out there. Join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I will present both historical facts as well as the paranormal reports and we will see where the two meet. Join me in exposing the paranormal. This week's episode takes us down south to Birmingham, Alabama, and this is the story of Sloss Furnace. Colonel James Withers Sloss founded the company in 1881 and was able to obtain 50 acres to build Sloss Furnaces on by donation. Construction began on the furnace structures in June of 1881 and the project moved along rather quickly, completing in April of 1882. What Sloss Furnace did is it melted down raw material that was known as pig iron. And pig iron needed to be melted down and refined to be stable enough to be used in the production of steel. Now, of course, steel production was very important and still is, as we basically use it in most buildings and other projects even today. Sloss used newer and larger furnaces than much of its competition, so in their first year alone, they made and sold more than 24,000 tons of their crude ore pig iron. James Sloss continued to run the company until 1886 when he went ahead and sold it to some investors. And the investors saw the huge potential with Sloss Furnace and started to really expand the business on a huge scale. It was renamed in 1890 to Sloss Sheffield Steel and Iron and was actually Birmingham's second largest producer of pig iron. Business was absolutely booming for the Sloss Furnace Company. They were producing and selling mass quantities of product, and they were able to keep labor costs low. How they did this is they used what is known as the convict lease system. And how this works is the company would pay the state and county governments, and in return, they would be able to use the prisoners for labor at the Sloss Furnace. This wasn't just at Sloss Furnace. Many businesses, especially in the South, used this. The prisoners in this system would be transported from the jail to the work site and would have to work there until their sentences were complete. This could be anywhere from months to years, and prisoners had no choice on where they would be sent to work. They also received little to no pay for their back-breaking work. The majority of those sent to work in the furnace and other places were black. It is estimated about 90% of their workforce was black men. And this was largely due to racial inequality in the South and harsher sentences for those who were not white. 
for example, if you were a black man in the South and you were found without any money, you could be put into jail for vagrancy, even if you had a home, wife, and kids. To make matters worse for these men, they were treated like they didn't matter, whether they were white or black. White workers were held in higher positions such as managing production while the black men were left to handle the worst jobs. And at the furnace, they would handle the mining and the liquid molten iron. Once the melted iron cooled, it formed 100 pound blocks and men would have to lift these huge blocks onto carts. To add insult to injury, the black men who performed this backbreaking labor for little or no pay had to deal with further racial equality at the job site. They were segregated from the white employees having to use separate time clocks and even bathrooms and showers. Tack on to that working conditions at Sloss Furnaces was extremely horrible. Those working in the furnaces were handling extremely hot molten iron. This caused temperatures inside the furnace area where people were working to be as high as 130 degrees Fahrenheit. In addition to this, the workers had to breathe in toxic gases, which were byproducts of the melting process. And there was a constant haze of smoke, making it really hard to see and causing lung issues. Workers actually were given salt tablets so they wouldn't pass out while on the job. Add in a 12 to 14 hour workday with hardly any rest breaks and all of these things lead to a very unsafe work condition to put it mildly. These working conditions led to many accidents, including fatalities. A month after Sloss Furnace opened, they experienced their first tragedies. Allegedly, men named Alec King and Bob May were working in the furnaces when the buildup of toxic fumes was a detriment to anyone's health, and the men had been inhaling it throughout their shift. From breathing in these fumes, the men allegedly fainted, fell into the furnace, and died instantly. A few days later, a man named Samuel Cunningham couldn't take it anymore. He was facing a long sentence and having to spend most of his life working in these terrible conditions. He decided death was better than this life. So he walked up to the furnace platform and dove headfirst into the furnace filled with liquid metal iron. Other deaths included a man getting crushed to death in one of the giant whale cogs, and another was burned to death by hot steam. There was also a man named James Robert Wormwood, a.k.a. Slag. He was one of the lead foremen at Sloss Furnace and actually worked the graveyard shift. Now, he was not well-liked at all, as he was pretty much known as a slave driver. He was so focused on meeting productivity standards and impressing his superiors that he basically worked his men to the bone. He pushed his workers hard with little rest and hardly any breaks. 
One night, James was working over the highest furnace at Sloss, nicknamed Big Alice. No one can say for sure, but somehow James ended up in the furnace. He would have died instantaneously due to the molten hot temperatures of the liquid metal. But how did he fall in? Well, some say that he fainted from breathing in the toxic fumes as some had before him. But the most popular theory is that his workers had enough of James and they were ready to do something about it. They plotted against him and when they had the opportunity, they pushed him into the furnace. Whatever happened, if he was pushed, if he fainted, if he slipped, no one was ever investigated in his death, though afterwards the company did end the graveyard shift. Over the years, Sloss Furnace went on to expand several more times over the decades. They mined more land, they built more furnaces, and the older furnaces were replaced with larger ones that used less energy and produced more product more quickly. As the decades wore on, conditions for black men did become better. They were given on-site housing and better pay, though the racial inequality remained an issue till the furnace closed. Cheap labor and improved production were great for the business, but terrible for not only those who worked there, but also for the citizens of Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham had a high number of steel and iron factories. They had 19 of these furnace businesses in the area, causing air quality issues all over the city and surrounding areas. Unfortunately, the county, the city, and the state governments were profiting so much that the citizens' complaints basically fell on deaf ears. That is, until December 31st of 1970, when the citizens of Birmingham got a late Christmas present. The president at the time, Richard Nixon, signed what was known as the Clean Air Amendments. The new regulations with these amendments basically forced many older inefficient companies to adhere to new emission standards. It would be extremely costly for many companies to upgrade equipment to make it so that they could meet these new standards. And a lot of the companies just couldn't afford to make the updates. The furnaces were also facing a lot of competition from foreign plants which could complete the same product at a much lower cost. So with the new regulations and with this competition, the Sloss furnace was no longer profitable and couldn't afford to upgrade the furnaces. After 90 years of operation, the Sloss furnace closed in 1971. Since then, they were going to tear it down, but a group petitioned against this, and in 1981, the Sloss furnace earned the title of a National Historic Landmark. Two years later, in September of 1983, the Sloss Furnace opened again. This time, it didn't open as a furnace, but as a museum, making it the only blast furnace being preserved as a historical industrial site. 
you can actually tour the museum via a self-guided tour for free, or you can even take a guided tour of this 18-acre property. You will want to give yourself some time to explore the museum as it does consist of over 40 buildings and there are two 400-ton furnaces still there. The museum is about 16,000 square feet and there's over 12,000 square feet for educational exhibits. In 1997, a portion of the property and buildings was opened up to the public not as a museum, but as a haunted house called Sloss Fright Furnace. For 22 years, over a million people experienced frights from things other than paranormal entities. Though, the museum felt the haunted house distracted from their mission to showcase the history and the historical value of Sloss Furnace. It also distracted school tours and educational programs which led them to making sure the haunted house portion only had a limited time for its running days, leaving them with little margin to turn a profit over the years. This caused the haunted house to have its last season in 2019. There are various other uses now for the building other than the museum. There are things you can have your wedding there, there's art classes, there's metalworking classes, there's even food festivals that happen here. And in this year, the museum actually hosted the 2022 World Hunger Games. So that's the history that brings us up to current day with the Sloss Furnace Museum. And we've deduced that Sloss Furnace was a terrible place to work, and the death tolls were pretty high due to working conditions. This has led to reports of paranormal activity at Sloss Furnace, so Let's get into these spooky accounts. Most reports have come about since the Sloss Furnace has become a museum. Visitors and staff report feeling cold spots throughout the museum, and voices and whispers are heard around the furnaces, with no signs of where they could have come from. Reports of some phrases these ghostly voices have said include a gruff and commanding hurry up and watch out for the heat. In 1926, there was a night watchman who stated he was walking the grounds of the furnace when he felt someone or something push him from behind. He was a little startled because he also heard a voice telling him to get back to work. He was confused because he was the only one who should have been there, and he was working. He turned around to tell this person so, but when he looked around, there was no one behind him. In 1947, there was a group of three supervisors who turned up missing. They searched the grounds and later found the three men locked in the boiler room. All three of them were unconscious. So they took them to the medical ward and when they woke up, they asked them what had happened. The men were all kind of confused and the last thing that all three of them remembered was they were approached by a man who appeared to be badly burned and yelled at them to push some steel. 
In addition to these reports, metal chains will be heard banging against the furnaces even when there's no wind involved. And these are heavy, huge chains. They don't just swing in the wind. The steam whistle will also sound by itself, calling for the men to start and or end their work shift. Heavy footsteps will be heard throughout the grounds, like those of a man wearing heavy work boots, someone like a foreman, maybe like James Slag Wormwood. Apparitions are seen in the furnaces especially and appear like a dark shadowy figure or in some cases a full-on apparition or glowing apparition. One specific apparition is seen as a white ghostly shape. And this apparition is actually not a nice one and is quite unfriendly toward visitors. After a run-in with this apparition, visitors have found scratches on them or have even been pushed. When pushed, it is always from behind. Because people have been pushed from behind, it leads many to believe this could be James Wormwood. If he was pushed by his employees to his death, maybe he's reenacting his revenge. Or maybe... He's alerting people to what happened to him. Now that I've covered the history of Sloss Furnace and the paranormal happenings, it's time for some fact-checking. Let's start with the story of James Wormwood, a.k.a. Slag. He is the main spirit that is reported at Sloss Furnace. So let's look at where this story started. The reports of Slag started popping up around the time when the Sloss Fright Furnace Haunted House opened. For visitors, when they ask about James on the tour of the museum, the guides get pretty annoyed. And I suppose this is rightfully so. The tour is trying to educate people, and this story takes the focus off of the history and what the workers had to go through and away from the stories of others who suffered in this terrible place. Per the guides at the museum, the story of Slag was entirely made up by the company that ran the haunted house. They apparently did it to drum up business and draw people in to want to see the haunted house. Also, I could find no census records of a person by that name living in Birmingham around the time this is said to have occurred. Though, the story of Slag is based on a real story. And that is the story of a man named Theophilus Calvin Jowers. Now, there are many reports that name him Calvin or Ralph. There's many names, but his name was Theophilus Calvin Jowers. I was able to look that up by census records. Jowers was working on the furnaces while supporting his wife and five children. In the spring of 1887, his hard work was recognized and he was promoted to assistant foundryman at the furnace. On September 10th of 1887, Jowers was hard at work as he was every day. He had climbed up to the top edge of one of the furnaces and was trying to fix what was known as the melting bell. Sadly, as he reached over to fix the bell, he lost his balance and fell to his death into the molten hot metal in the furnace. 
Since then, rumors have swirled around about his spirit hanging about afterwards, as all that was fished out of the furnace was his heart in a badly burned condition. This is definitely a fabrication in the story, as newspaper accounts do detail what was found of him, and it is pretty grisly, so I'm not going to go into it, but his heart was not a part that was found. Soon after Theophilus's death, rumors started to kick up about the hauntings. There were reports of Jower's spirit making his regular work rounds and checking on his employees. And while Jowers does fit the profile to cover many of the haunted reports, he never actually worked at Sloss Furnaces. He worked across town on the other side of Birmingham in Alice Furnace. So why would he be haunting a place he never set foot in? Per believers, they stated that the hauntings took place at Alice Furnace till 1905 when Alice Furnace was torn down. After that furnace was torn down, he apparently spirit job hopped to another furnace in the area, which was demolished in 1927, so he ended up at Sloss Furnace. There were 19 furnaces in Birmingham, and the spirit of this man chose to spend eternity job hopping between them? He chose this over spending time in his home with his family in the afterlife just seems strange for his spirit to travel across town to a place he's never been. Though his sons claim to have spotted his spirit here and states it's because his dad said he'd work the furnaces as long as one was still standing in Birmingham. And Sloss Furnace is still standing. So, is he there? Is he not? That's the question let's move on to another report that may contribute to the hauntings. This one dates back to November of 1882, where I mentioned earlier the two men, Alec King and Bobby May, who fainted from the fumes and died in the furnace. When this happened, they were said to be removing buildup from the sides of furnace number two, and this was done by lowering them into the furnace. When scraping off the residue, they didn't realize it, but the residue was falling into the smoldering embers below, creating smoke and a toxic gas to fill the chamber of the furnace, which caused the men to pass out. When they did so, they were as high as 60 feet up in the furnace, so when they fell, they weren't going to make it. So these two men are associated with the hauntings that are now reported throughout the Sloss Furnace. And I looked into the deaths of these two men. I could find no one by these names who died or were buried in Birmingham in that year. I could also find no newspaper archive records of these two men passing away in that year. Though something to think about is both of these men were black. And sadly, their names weren't always remembered and they may have been from elsewhere and buried elsewhere. So just because I couldn't find them in the newspapers doesn't mean it, it didn't happen. Also, many people claim this story can't be true as it supposedly happened in Furnace Number 2, which wasn't built till decades later. 
But going through the newspaper archives, I did find that Furnace Number 2 actually opened in 1883, which makes the story possible. So it did possibly happen, but it is not likely, as there probably would have been something in the archives about it. I don't have a name for the next report, or even a date. All I have is that it happened in the early 1900s, and in this era, being pregnant without being married was extremely frowned upon, to put it lightly. Parents would disown their daughters or send them away till they had their baby, and then the young girl would have to give up her baby for adoption. You can imagine this would be a lot for a young girl to process. Everyone around her would shame her and turn her away, and she had to face two options, losing her child or trying to make it on her own, which would be extremely difficult for a single mother in the early 1900s. This was a time when the men worked and the women just stayed at home and took care of the kids. This is what brings us to the next heartbreaking story. A young girl who had become pregnant before marriage was in this situation, and she couldn't face what life had in store for her. She couldn't give up her baby, and she didn't know how else to live. So she walked over to Sloth's Furnace and took her own life by jumping into one of the furnaces. Her haunting reports are actually a little different than the other ones you usually hear associated with Sloth's. What it is, is after her death, people have reported seeing a deer in the area, which many believe is actually the reincarnation of this young pregnant woman. The story has no name, and I found no newspaper articles covering this in any of the Birmingham newspapers. There is, I guess, a possibility it happened, but it could also be another rumor and another legend. It seems like we are getting stuck in a rut of legends, so let's get into something that actually did happen. On February 4th of 1892, there were some men working on a new blast stove when some of the scaffolding around it crashed to the ground. At the time of the collapse, there were eight men standing on it, and each of them fell 58 feet to the ground. Two of the men died on impact. Their names were John Ritchie and John Statton. The other six men were severely injured, but they did recover at the local hospital. This accident did happen and has been substantiated in newspaper articles, including in the New York Times. And I was able to find records of their grave sites and their deaths. This brings us to another report that happens on August 4th of 1897 with a man named Joseph Webb. He had went out shopping for some shoes for him and his wife, and after his shopping trip, he went out to a local bar to have a couple drinks with some friends. Joseph then left the bar and headed home, though he never showed up. His wife was worried and reported it, but nobody could find out what happened to Joseph. Though the next day, when Sloss Furnace opened, his body was found on the property. He was found in one of the water vats, and this is extremely hot water, as this is the water runoff that's coming from cooling the liquid hot metal. 
in the water vat, he was found to have boiled to death. And the shoes were still found by his body that he was supposed to take home to his wife. No one knows how he got there, though, as Sloss's furnace was not on his way home. Was he too drunk? Was there foul play? That question remains unanswered. Maybe that has left his spirit unable to rest, and he might be there seeking justice. On March 18th of 1897, a young black man was assisting some bricklayers in repairs of Furnace Number 2 stove. I would tell you his name, but not even the newspaper article cared enough to list it. He was just referred to as a black worker, in not so nice of words that I'm not going to repeat ever. While he was working, a bucket filled with brick fell from 40 feet above his head, crushing his skull. He didn't die immediately, but he did later succumb to the horrible injury. The story was reported in the Birmingham State Herald newspaper, and they were able to list the doctor's names that worked on the man, but not the man himself. I did try to locate his name in honor of his memory, but I haven't had any luck. I couldn't find a man who died on this day or even this year listed in the Birmingham Cemetery that would fit him, so it's likely he was buried elsewhere near family, and unfortunately I couldn't figure out what this man's name might be. There are various other reports I could go on about, such as it is said an explosion happened in 1888 where workers were either said to be killed or in some reports they were blinded. And again, I went through every digital issue of the Birmingham Herald newspaper and other papers. I found no mentions of anything that happened in that year with an explosion, and I could find no other records other than the same repeated legend. Other legends consist of a man being crushed to death in some of the gears of one of the machines while having lunch, though usually in these claims no name or date are given, though some people do claim the year 1921 and the name Brant Hainsworth, though again I could find no records in the newspapers. Similarly, in also 1921, it is said a man named Noah Tyson died when molten iron fell over his head in an accident, but again, I could not find any confirmation of this account either. In 1971, the night before Sloss Furnace closed its doors for the last time, Samuel Blumenthal was patrolling the grounds as usual. He'd been the night watchman for some time, and the night shift was usually pretty quiet. Then, as he was walking, he came face to face with something that absolutely terrified him. He had a hard time putting what he saw into words at all. The best he could describe it was simply as evil, something half man and half demon. The creature tried to push Samuel up the stairs of the furnace to walk up to the top, but he absolutely refused. He knew if he did that, he would die. The creature was upset visibly and started to pound on Samuel with his huge fists. Samuel fought back and eventually the creature left him alone. The next morning, Samuel was found in horrible condition. He was taken to a local hospital and examined by a doctor named Jack Barlow. 
the doctor found that Samuel was covered in some pretty bad burns, though he did survive his injuries. Now, the strange thing with the story is, again, I couldn't find any record of it, but the name Samuel Blumenthal is also used for an 1882 story in which a man commits suicide by jumping into a furnace. On October 4th of 2003, a man named Josh Thomas was working at the museum. He said he saw a strange shape and all of a sudden he caught on fire. The fire was put out, but he was severely burned all over his body. He did survive, but he couldn't recall what happened after his injuries. I'm going to end the legends and rumors there. Just know that there are tons of reports of suicides, people being burned to death, steamed to death, crushed to death, etc., etc., etc. From what you've heard, you now know that Sloss Furnace was a dangerous place to work, especially in the first few decades it was running. People were injured, people were treated as cheap and easily replaceable labor, and people died. It's not hard to imagine that some spirits may be trapped here in anger, whether they died by accident, by taking their own lives, or by maybe being murdered. I wish that the legends wouldn't be the most well-known tales associated with Sloss Furnace. This takes away from the suffering of the souls who may be trapped here, those who had no other choice because of the way they looked, their income status, or this was the only work they could find to support their family. Let's remember them, and not the tales of Slag and the other ghostly legends that have perpetuated over the years. Do you believe the spirits of those who suffered and died here are still here? Trapped in their own version of hell, unable to move on. Are they trying to warn and help others to safety? Maybe tell you how they were killed? I hope one day I can visit and see this place of history and remember it for what it was. Pay honor to those who put their blood and sweat into making a product to help their country. If you had visited, I'd love to hear about your experiences and I'd love any other information you may have learned or gathered. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, make sure you rate and follow this podcast wherever you tune in as it really helps this podcast move forward and you can make sure you are alerted when the next episode airs. I will be posting pictures and links associated with this story, so make sure you follow Paranormal Exposed on social media so you get more of the story and see the pictures to really understand how large these furnaces were. You can follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can always shoot an email over to ParanormalExposedPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting this podcast. I will catch you all next Wednesday.